Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, we continue in our series, Making Disciples. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. We've been in Matthew 28, and we have been talking about making disciples. That's the overarching theme of making disciples. Now, here's the good news. The good news is when we, when we explore uh, discipleship, uh, sometimes when we talk about making disciples, uh, we might imagine uh, heroic people with superhuman abilities to heal with a single touch and to leap tall buildings. Um, and they're able to endure all kinds of challenges and obstacles. Uh, but in reality, say in reality, in reality, making disciples is less about our own strength and more about our willingness to say yes to an extraordinary God who can work through our ordinary lives. We do not have to uh, go overseas. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to do these wonderful feats that oftentimes we build in our own minds. He can actually use us right where we live. Wow. Y'all gonna make me work or you... Okay, you're going to make me work. All right, it's good. Um, It's about giving him a yes. It's about surrendering our limitations and allowing God's power to work in and through us to bring about transformation in our own lives and in others. And so we're going to turn once again to Matthew 28 and 18. Uh, This passage reminds us of basically four things that we extracted out of the text, verses Verse number eight, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, say remember. I am with you always to the end of the age. And so Matthew 28, and we have repeated this uh, refrain so many times. We should be able as a church family to to repeat what I'm about to say. But just for the sake of time, I'll just give you the answers. Jesus is Lord and has all authority. And the whole church said, as believers, we recognize that there is no greater authority in heaven and on the earth than Jesus Christ. Recognizing Jesus as Lord and having all authority informs our actions and decisions. And then Jesus calls us. He calls us. Everybody, He calls everybody to go into all nations, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to every corner of the world. That includes your corner, your block, your hood, your home, your job. Let's spread the good news everywhere we go. And then he tells us to teach others what Jesus taught us. And we are to share his love, his grace and truth with all those we encounter. Teaching others what Jesus taught us helps us grow in our own understanding of the faith. And so for some of us, this is a process of uh, unlearning, uh, learning, and relearning. Everything that we've been taught is not necessarily true. We have taken traditions and built them up to make them equal to the Word of God. 
we have to, all of us, we have to make sure that what we're teaching is actually what Jesus said. Many of us have to unlearn some things that we were taught because some of us specialize in traditions and not the Word of God. But that's not my message today. Uh, And then he reminds us that no matter what, it's all good. That's a gospel according to Antoine. Um, Because Jesus is with us always. He provides comfort and guidance and strength for us to carry out his message, his mission, his, his mission. As we dive deeper into this passage, we should be encouraged that he is with us always. And so as we turn the pages of the New Testament, as, and this is Matthew, Matthew 28 is the end of Matthew. And so if we look at the New Testament entering into the book of Acts, we see these principles lived out in the life of the disciples. But the disciples did not always start off like that. Remember, my whole pretense of my introduction suggests that the disciples are ordinary people. And so sometimes um, we forget that the whole Bible is all about Jesus. He is the hero of my life, your life. He is a hero of the Bible. And so although we may be intelligent and although we may have some skills and although we may be able to preach the horns off a billy goat, it's all about Jesus. And so we see in the Gospels, the disciples are often shown as arguing back and forth Uh, They slow to fully understand what Jesus meant. At times, they lacked faith. They misunderstood what Jesus meant. And so the disciples are ordinary. Can you say that with me again? Can you help me preach? The disciples are ordinary. They are just like us. Sometimey. They're just like us. And there's so many examples of of the disciples being human because they are human. And so even some of them who walked with Jesus for so long still missed out the point of what Jesus was trying to convey. They give me hope. And so these are, somebody caught that. Mm, Yes. Um, In Matthew chapter 26, they've been walking with Jesus. Listen, Jesus is physically here. And they've been walking with Jesus. They could touch Jesus. They could smell Jesus. They could hang out and hug Jesus. And they still didn't get it. And so when Jesus is arrested, the disciples flee. And that don't look like superhuman ability to me. And so what happens is as we lean forward into making disciples, the whole one of the overarching thing is to, to make a disciple, we first must be one. And so Jesus chose the disciples for their willingness to follow him, not their abilities. Jesus chose the disciples for their willingness to follow him, not their abilities. I'm going to say it one more again. Jesus chose the disciples for their willingness to follow him, not their abilities. Jesus did not choose the most talented. Thank the name of the Lord. He did not choose the most intelligent or powerful men to be his disciples. He chose them because he chose them. And so let me be clear. The scriptures are all about Jesus. 
And so when we read the exploits of the disciples, many times it's common that we want to mimic what the disciples did. And the reality of it is we need to mimic their surrendering to Jesus more so than what they did. The disciples are ordinary. Ordinary. They're just ordinary people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Jesus chose men and women who were willing to leave their livelihoods and follow him. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, Jesus called Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and, uh, who were fishermen, and they immediately left their nets and followed him. The disciples' successes are therefore attributed to the power of God, not their own abilities. I'm going to keep repeating this because we have a tendency to mimic humans. We create icons of people that are called to point us back to Jesus. There's nothing wrong with uh, going through and, and understanding the Great Awakening and the Jesus Revolution, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but we have to be careful that we don't mimic man. We are, our focus is on Jesus. In Acts, the disciples were showing, were, were performing miracles and preaching with uh, great success, but these accomplishments are attributed to the power of God. When in Acts chapter 3, when Peter healed a man lame from birth, uh, he does so in the name of and not his own. So he points us back. The apostles were still subject to human limitations. Yes, they got tired. I submit to you that occasionally they had headaches. Occasionally it rained and they decided, you know what, I might stay home. They were limited. <laughs> I'm throwing off now. I'm throwing off. Um, forgive me. I'm human. See what I did there? Uh, the, the, the disciples, the apostles, they were limited. And they, were, they, they got hungry. They got illnesses. And all of us, followers of Jesus, are ordinary. They were just chosen by Jesus for their faith and commitment rather than their own human exploits. And any perceived success is powered by the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. It's not us. It's all about him. And so the first followers of Jesus, I keep repeating it, were ordinary people chosen for their faith and commitment. And today, he chooses you. He chooses you to carry his message to other people. Now, I want you to let that sit for a moment. You. Not just elders, pastors, leaders, and great teachers of the gospel. He chooses you. And so the disciples were not always the mature and faithful leaders we see in the book of Acts. They had problems. And they went through a process of growth and development just like us. And from this perspective, it's natural to see different stages of discipleship, each with its own unique characteristics and benefits. And, as, and today we're just going to look at the different stages of discipleship. And Jim Putman did a lot of work, as it turns out. And you can Google it if you like, the wheels of discipleship. And this is some of the inspiration. But as we continue to grow in our faith, um, we, can, we can gain insights into how we can grow in our journey of discipleship and become the mature faithful leader that God has called us all to be. 
from being infants in our faith, um, in their faith, the disciples, they grew to become children, then young adults, and eventually parents in the faith. And as we examine their journey, we can ask ourselves, what were some of the challenges that the disciples faced in each stage? How did they overcome these challenges? And what were some of the key lessons that they learned along the way? But most importantly, what can we learn from their experiences as we seek to grow and mature in our own discipleship journey? So the first stage is an infant stage. Say infant. Now, infants, they lack knowledge and understanding. Uh, infants, uh, they have a dependence on others. They lack maturity. Infants uh, are limited, have limited perspective. And, emit, uh, emit. and uh, infants uh, struggle with sin. Infants, uh, they, they can make a mess. And because they're infants, uh, other people have to change the mess help them with the mess. And so when we look at the different stages of, um, of discipleship, uh, this is the stage where you, you just accepted the Lord as your savior. And, and now as, as we move in this, this journey, uh, you have to be fed. And oftentimes, last time I checked, infants don't feed themselves. They require a lot of work. They whine a lot. And so infants uh, depend on parents to raise them up. Uh, we don't look to infants to raise themselves. Or well, maybe you guys do, but, but we should not look to infants uh, to raise themselves. And so uh, as a newborn baby, they are completely dependent on others for care and nourishment. And this is where they begin to learn the, uh, to understand the basics of faith and they need guidance and support to grow. Um, and, and scripture in, it's, is very important. So we, we have to make sure that with infants, we give them the nutrients that they need. And oftentimes we conflate it. We give them what they will think they need. And the reality of it is the basis of our faith is we have to nurture the infants until they continue to grow and develop. And occasionally with infants uh, who are malnourished, uh, they begin to struggle to thrive. So if, if, if we see that the, the, the infants are so important, so uh, let me just show you uh, some infant uh, disciples in their early stages. See, see when Peter uh, first encountered Jesus, um, Peter was like, hey, get away from me in Luke chapter four, I think, uh, and because he says, I'm a sinner. I, I, you, you can't help me. That's an infant. An infant cries. And, and, and oftentimes it's hard for us to be able to adequately understand what the infant needs until we keep building a relationship with the infant. And now we realize that that cry means he's hungry. And, and so the infant, so the challenge at this stage uh, that, that when we are just starting to follow Jesus and we're learning the basis of the faith, that uh, one of the challenges that they faced was trying to understand Jesus' teachings and adjusting their lives to follow him. So any parents in the building? So here's what happens when we do with, with infants. Uh, the, most people tell us, um, listen, you need to put that baby on a schedule. That baby ain't studying that schedule. That baby gonna cry 
when it wants to cry, sleep when it wants to sleep. And so as parents, sometimes we adjust our lives uh, to make sure and we sacrifice because we want that infant to grow up healthy. And as we develop that relationship with that infant, we realize, okay, I'm going to let him cry just a little longer because he's being developed. Infant. And, and so if we're going to make disciples. Uh, here's a newsflash to all of us. Being old does not mean, being older does not mean you're not an infant when it comes to your spiritual journey. See, just because you've occupied that particular chair for 20 plus years does not mean that somehow you're a parent. Okay, all right. So, um, I, I, I uh, so, so, <laughs> infant. And so how to overcome this challenge, uh, the disciples overcame this challenge by spending time with Jesus. It's, it's man, when, 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 when Justin was born, it's amazing the 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 uh, the uh, contact and Justin and Chris, um, but Justin was first. So the, the the how he could respond to both our voices, and, and how there was a bond that my wife had with him. That I had a bond with him, but it was something special about the bond she had with the children because she birthed him. And that there's something, and so um, there, there, there's a way that, that she responded to his needs, and this is the infant stage. But you can't just stay an infant all your life. And as we think of progression, you go from the infant stage to the child stage. This is the second stage of discipleship, and it can be represented by a young child who is starting to develop their own personalities and abilities. And they're beginning to understand and interact around, the, they're beginning to understand and to interact with the world around them. Uh, this is stages characterized by a believer who is growing in the faith, they're developing spiritual habits and practices. They begin to take ownership of their faith. Now, children are not as helpless as infants, but we have to be careful because sometimes we treat children like adults. Now, they're not infants, um, but they're not adults either. And so oftentimes, it's like, so oftentimes we put too much responsibility on children and wonder why they fail. So we have to be careful um, that uh, we, 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 we have to be careful that we, we love children spiritually. We talk about the discipleship journey. They're, they're beginning to be able to repeat things. They're being given able to memorize scripture, but that does not mean they know the meaning behind those scriptures. So in this phase, there's a bunch of growing pains as they begin to take on more responsibility. They get to choose their outfits now. They start, they start being more possessive. Mine. Hold up, cuz. And there is, but there's also increased temptation with sin. There's, uh, they need to develop strong discernment skills um, to di dif differentiate between truth and falsehood. They still need development. They're becoming stronger and they got some spiritual disciplines and you may slowly increase the time that they can stay up. You go from 7 o'clock to maybe 7.15. You're gradually increasing their responsibilities. They may actually mimic you cooking as a child. 
But that don't mean you leave them in the kitchen. Look, cook a, a four-course meal, me and your dad will be home at seven. No, that's too, many, that's too much responsibilities for a child. Sometimes when you have siblings, we put so much on the older sibling to be the parent to the infant. Too much, too much, too much. The challenge at this stage uh, is when disciples have been following Jesus for a while, they had a basic understanding of his teachings. However, they still struggled with doubts and fears and often relied on Jesus to guide them. I remember as a child, the first time that we were given opportunities to stay home by ourselves. Oh, we thought we was grown until it got dark. That's a whole nother conversation. And then that wind started blowing and ain't nothing out there. Man, so we have to be careful that we don't treat a child like they're adults. They're not driving themselves to work. They're a child. And so when Jesus walked on water and called Peter to come to him, Peter initially had faith, but then became afraid and started to sink. So in this stage, overcoming the challenge, the disciples overcame this challenge by continuing to trust in Jesus and seeking his guidance. They also learned to rely on each other for support and encouragement. 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 says it this way. When I was a child, I talked, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away of childhood behind me. I put away childish things. Ephesians chapter four, verse 12 says, let's equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown away by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. So I would suggest that these stages of spiritual discipleship parallels stages of our emotional development. See a grown man get upset, grown woman get upset, they throw tantrum. And they, they're 40, but emotionally, children. When you get angry, children sometimes want to kick a wall. Don't do that. Then they get 20 years into the future, they still kicking walls, they're kids. And so there's a parallel here. And so oftentimes we don't deal with the parallel. See, children can mimic knowledge, but children lack understanding. And so, so it's funny because in development, it's amazing to me. This is what I taught my sons. Use your words. Then when I got older, <clears throat> Like, bro, like, you ain't, use your words. <laughs> so, so we have to be careful that we don't mimic what's appropriate with no understanding the why. There's a reason why we gather. Not because mama and daddy told you to. The reason why we gather is because the gathering of the saints help equip. And so oftentimes when we get angry with one another, like children, we are not going to gather anymore. We're throwing tantrums. And then we are given the mandate to go make disciples as if that means that I am okay with being stuck 
for the last umpteen number of years as a child. It's time for the church, this one, to grow up. And that's hard because, um, because here's the thing. Here's what the Lord is dealing with me concerning. We are, if, if, if you're an infant, your ability is to produce another infant. That's it. And so if we don't grow in the faith, if we don't mature, then we're going to still have, in other words, we're going to be a church full of spiritual children. And too many children and not enough parents is disaster. We need everybody. Don't look at anyone. Just touch yourself and say, there's areas of my life. Repeat after me. There's areas of my life. I just need to grow up. Say it with authority. Everybody's saying it. Anyway, all right. So I'm not saying it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we have to be careful we don't get stuck, stuck at this thing. So as we continue to surrender, say yes to God, the third stage is young adulthood. The third stage of the discipleship can be represented by a young adult who has reached a level of maturity and independence and is beginning to establish themselves in the world. This stage is characterized by a believer who has a deep understanding of the faith and is actively using their gifts and talents to serve others and make a positive impact in the world. And as a young adult, it, it begins, you begin to balance spiritual life with other responsibilities such as work, relationship, and family. It's about maintaining focus on the faith in the midst of life changes and distractions. Struggle to find mentors and role models at times because you, there, there are times when, you know how when you, when you get older, you're sort of pulling away from the group. You need the group, but you're pulling young adults. And um, what, 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 uh, what we see in this are the different challenges that young adults have in their spiritual and remember, this is not age, this is spiritual development. At this stage, the disciples were more mature in their faith and had a, a deeper understanding of Jesus' teachings. However, they faced new challenges, such as persecution and opposition from religious leaders and others who oppose Jesus' message. The example is when Peter and John healed a man in the name of Jesus, they were arrested. And so uh, new level, more devil. And this is the stage where everything that you confess will be challenged to mature you. Can you survive? Dot, dot, dot. And so this is the, is, this is the stage where um, it can develop a strong faith, or it can take your lunch. And all of these stages need someone to walk us through these stages. And you don't see anywhere in Scripture where people walk alone. So the young adults, you know how it is. Like, uh, if you're over 25... Your first apartment, it hit a little different when you were responsible. When it's in your name, 
You mean I, I, I love where Justin is now. I love it. Because what's happening now is as he looks for his apartment, he's realizing that everything cost. He's realizing the difficulty in managing your budget while trying to live. That there's no, there's no super parents. He's trying to figure out how these many years have we made it. Well, that's the greatest lesson that parents can teach. You grown now. Justin spent some time in the hospital, and we got great insurance, but it didn't cover everything. He's, he gets home from work, and he comes knocking on the door. I need to show you this bill. Ah! Ah! Everything's not covered, is it, son? <laughs> the greatest lesson that you can teach. So sometimes as spiritual parents, we got to let the young adults go through what only life can teach them. All of this word, all of the groups, all the teachings from, from uh, Penny to the different ways that we try to teach the word, all these things are trying to prepare you for what's next. As, as young adults, you never have to cook. You can eat out every day of your life. It's your right. You can do it. But everything costs. I remember there are times in restaurants that uh, there was a kid menu and my sons wanted to order from the adult side. <laughs> oh, my God in heaven. That, no, for now. Now when you got to pay for it yourself. Would you like the upcharge? Nope. Give me the kiddies menu. <laughs> growing up, growing up, the young adult and... The challenge, overcoming this challenge, the disciples overcame this challenge by continuing to preach the gospel boldly, even in the face of opposition and persecution. And they also relied on the power of the Holy Spirit for strength and guidance. And then we move towards parenthood or the parent stage. This stage is represented by a mature adult who has reached a level of wisdom experience where they are able to mentor and guide others. This stage is characterized by a believer who is able to help others grow in their faith and is actively investing in the spiritual development of others. Some of the challenges of being spiritual parents, though, have to be careful not to neglect self-care to care for others. Um, there's an increased responsibility. We have to learn how to navigate difficult questions. It's maintaining humility because you know how we raise our kids as we made those same mistakes and all of a sudden um, we become this new thing. No one could tell us anything younger when we were younger. And our kids are, 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 are actually just carbon copies of us. They're hard-headed. Man, I was a hard-headed dude. Now, I was. And there are areas that I see my sons displaying my stubbornness. 
And I just called my mom one day and I said, I'm sorry. Forgive me, mom. Because at the time I did not know what I did. But at this stage, um, there's some characteristics of a spiritual parent that, that we need. We need to have humility. A spiritual parent recognizes that they are still growing in their faith and that none of us are perfect. And we have to be willing to admit our own weakness and limitations and to seek to learn from others. And so even if we're graduated to parenthood, we are still learning. Because as we get older, or as the children in the natural get older, our relationship with our children continue, but it changes. None of us have arrived. And another characteristic of a spiritual parent is servant-heartedness. A spiritual parent is not focused on their needs, their own needs or desires, but rather on serving and helping others grow in their faith. We are not trying to make carbon copies of ourselves. We are, we are literally trying to uh, help that person discover who they are in Jesus and to walk with them to, from discovering to developing to deploying. We also, as spiritual parent, has a, have a deep understanding of the Bible and theology and is able to use this knowledge to guide and disciple others. They are committed to studying and learning more about God's word. This is parenthood. We have to be models of Christ-like behavior. Um, oftentimes, my uh, strongest conviction is when, uh, if you know me, I just keep it a buck, but um, apologizing to my sons when I acted unchrist-like in a particular area. And that's humility. Because what I recognize is I could say whatever I want to in front of you guys, but they know how I live. And so as a parent, I have the responsibility to model Christ-like behavior in front of them. And when I miss it, I have to come back. And there has to be a commitment to personal growth. A spiritual parent recognizes that they must continually grow in their faith, own faith, in order to effectively disciple others. They prioritize their own personal spiritual growth and development, seeking out opportunities for learning and growth. None of us have arrived. None of us. From the poor pit to the parking lot. And so John, Apostle John in his old age became a father figure to many in the church. And what was so beautiful about that experience was this was the same guy who they called one of the sons of thunder. I think John would take a swing at you. And then as he grew in his faith, he, he began to love people stronger and deeper. And so some of his writings, he would say um, to my little children, he almost came like a grandfather uh, to those he, were, he was discipling. At this stage, the disciples were leaders in the early church and responsible for teaching and guiding new believers. They faced the challenge of passing on their faith and assuring that the next generation of believers stayed faithful to Jesus. 
So when Paul wrote to Timothy, he encouraged him to continue in the faith and to pass on what he learned to others. This challenge, the disciples overcame this challenge by mentoring and discipling new believers, by writing letters and books to pass on their teachings and wisdom, and they relied on the Holy Spirit to guide them in their leadership. And as we take on, as we grow and develop and we become parents, it echoes Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. And so we take on the responsibility of people growing up in their faith. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 14, it says, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, for you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So this journey of discipleship continues. When someone gets stuck in their stages of the discipleship journey and is not growing, it can lead to a stagnation in their faith and hinder our ability to fulfill our God-given purpose. If a person remains in the infant stage, they may struggle to understand the deeper truths of the Bible and fail to develop a personal relationship with God. This can hinder their ability to share the gospel effectively and impact others for Christ. If a person remains in a child stage, they may struggle to apply biblical principles to their life and miss out on opportunities to serve and lead in their church and community. But if a person remains stuck in the adult stage, they become more comfortable in their current level of spiritual maturity and fail to continue pursuing spiritual growth and deeper intimacy with God. If a person remains in a parent stage, they they may become complacent in their faith and fail to continue seeking out opportunities to grow and develop as a disciple maker. And this can limit their ability to effectively disciple others and make a lasting impact on the world. So this is the rubber hitting the road. When you think about Matthew 28 and discipleship journey, we should be inspired that he has chosen us to carry his message. Let us go into all nations spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to every corner of the world. Let us teach others what Jesus taught us, what we've experienced ourselves. Let us trust in his presence and guidance of the Lord every step of the way, knowing that he is with us always. And and so we're going to send out a text with a link And I want you to take this test and just be open and honest to determine where you are in your spiritual journey. And so it's real simple. What if you what if you rank where the infant stage is? That's not an indictment. That's just where we are. And what we want to be able to do is grow in our faith and not assume that we are further along than what reality may suggest. Jesus has all authority. Jesus is Lord.
This journey starts there. We were hostile towards God. Romans 5, I believe, while we were yet sinners, with many trespasses against God. He extended an invitation through his prophets and then Jesus comes through Jesus Christ to be in relationship with him. So today we have a, a baptism of someone who has said, Jesus is, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And so there was an interchange and now she's publicly declaring the Lordship of Jesus. But I don't want to take for granted that that's where you are or if you've made that declaration in your life. In order to make disciples, you first must be one. He says, he, he says go and make disciples. But we have to surrender to him first. The heartbeat of this church is to go make disciples. If we filled every chair in this room and have multiple services we will not put a dent in the needs of this one community in which we live and so it's not about growing his church it's about expanding his kingdom wherever you are the mandate is declare that he's Lord and tell everyone about him. You can simplify scriptures who explain who Jesus is and we need scriptures. We need to be taught. But until the kingdom of God is expanded in our own hearts, until we're able to live out, some of us have had arguments in our mind this whole week. Is he Lord of your mind? Is he Lord of your marriage? Is he Lord of your finances? Is he Lord of your body? Is he Lord? That's personal. Like children, we can mimic. But until we, until we're honest, and it's just you and him now, until we're honest, some of us grew up in the church but God didn't grow up in us. Some of us are stuck unlearning traditions of men that have become a representative of God that has led to religiousness with no relationship. He is breaking that up. He's breaking it up. The one thing that the enemy constantly fights me with Did God really say? Did God really say you called? Did he, did he? I mean, you've been, you've been plowing for a long time, Reverend. Any time to just give it up. I contend to you, I submit to you, that the enemy is challenging you in what Jesus said. So my anchor cannot be in my, my anchor cannot be in my calling. My anchor cannot be in what I do. My anchor cannot even be in my marriage. My anchor must be that Jesus is Lord. 
I, could, I, I, I will suggest to some of us, the struggle is to move from performance to personal. You're here, but not really. And I believe that he's tugging on your heart. And that's why we spent so long two-word sermon, making disciples, making disciples. Yes, yes, there, there, there are things that I want to teach and preach so that we can live out, overcome anxiety. And, oh, it's a lot of stuff. But it boils down to one truth. Is Jesus who he says he is? Anxiety may never go away. But can I anchor my life on the one that gives me peace that surpasses all understanding? I may never get the dream job that I've been praying for. I may never live in the house that I want to live in. But am I anchored in the Lordship of Jesus? What if? And I submit to, to some of us that you have been through so much. The mere fact that you're still anchored. You may be, what they say, if you're hanging on, tie a knot. The reason why you haven't let go is because you're holding on to the truth of what he said. Had some valley experiences. And when you were hearing about the valley experiences, on the other side of the valley, maybe as weakly, as weak, impoverished as you ever felt in your life. You have said that Jesus is Lord, God is good in your own way. That concludes this week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.